Welcome to Stony Brook Church. It is good to be in worship with you today. It is good that our children's choir is here in worship today. So we look forward to uh, them leading us here shortly. It's fun to have young energy in the space with us today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher of the day, Pastor David Hoffman, along with our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas. As we begin our time together, you will find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Go to the worship section and you will find your connection card there. If you could take a moment during the worship service to uh, fill this out to let us know that you were in worship with us today. Uh, it is also a place where you can share any joys or concerns uh, with the church or with the church staff. And then as always on the back of the connection card, you will find opportunities to plug into some of the ministries that are happening at Stony Brook Church. As we enter into this holiday season, we are aware that the holidays can amplify grief. And in response to this, our Grief Share Ministry will be holding a Surviving the Holidays a single session Grief Share this Wednesday, November 17th. Participants will receive some information and resources to help them navigate the upcoming holiday season. If this is something that you feel would be of benefit to you, you are invited to sign up on the back of the connection card, uh, or you can find the link to sign up in your weekly electronic newsletter. As the church uh, prepares for the holiday season, uh, we look forward to coming together on Sunday, November 28th from 5 to 7 for, for our annual Hanging of the Greens. There uh, will be many trees to decorate, lights to strand, and garlands to drape. Uh, the children will be enjoying some activities on the lower level of the church. Uh, and then we will also get to experience some music from a pickup band, which will begin at five. If you would like to participate in the pickup band, simply show up with your instrument and Jeff Shellhammer will lead you as you all bless us with your music offering. And then finally, a supper will be provided for you. Pastor David and I are uh, both planning on making chili. Now, if you haven't been around the two of us outside of leading worship, you need to know we have a bit of a competition going with one another. He thinks he makes the best chili. I assure you, my chili recipe will be the best. So you are invited to come and vote on your favorite chili, and we'll see who the winner is. So you could uh, sign up so that we know how much food to prepare um, on the back of your connection card or through the weekly electronic newsletter. Stony Brook will once again be a part of Gahanna's, Gahanna's Holiday Light Celebration this year. Uh, we will have an activity booth. Uh, this will happen on Sunday, November 21st. So that's uh, in... Uh, is that next Sunday? Next Sunday. Uh, if you are able to help volunteer at this, we would love to see you there. We need people to help set up and then people to uh, pass out information about Stony Brook and work with the children on the children's activity. So you can sign up for that on the back of your connection card or find information in your weekly electronic newsletter. Now you will find all of the information that I just shared and so much more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church in your bulletin packet or online at our website at stonybrook.church. I invite you now to settle your hearts and your minds as our prelude prepares us for worship.
Please rise either in body or in spirit for our call to worship. You will find your responses in bold on the screen. Bless the Lord who counsels and guides us. Because we keep the Lord ever before us, we shall not be moved. Rejoice, let your hearts be glad. Let your spirits rejoice and your bodies rest secure. For God does not give us up to death, but shows us the path of life. Praise the Lord. I invite you at this time to turn your hearts to God in a spirit of prayer. 
You carry us in your womb, O oh God, nurturing us with your very life, your words, your breath, your love runs through our bodies and our souls. It is you who has called us into being. It is you who desires life from us. It is you who shows us all life can be. You are magnificent. How much does it hurt, O oh God, to watch your beloved miss what you have birthed? How much does it sting, O oh God, to witness the ways we hurt one another? How much agony are you in, O oh God, when we rush through life and completely ignore your presence in our midst? Awaken our spirits to you. Aliven our hearts. Nurture our wounds. Bring us to wholeness with your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace. As your tender arms wrap around us, warming us and healing us, we turn our hearts to your world. Have mercy on all of those who are suffering. For soldiers wounded from the experience of war. For families who worry and miss their loved ones who serve abroad. For students struggling in school. For educators, healthcare workers, mental health professionals, and all of those who have extra heavy responsibilities during this pandemic. As you extend your mercy, your healing, and your love to the world, we offer to you our hearts with gratitude. Thank you, O oh God, for those who have answered the call to ensure our country is safe. Thank you, O oh God, for those who have served and who are now veterans. Help us, O oh God, to live with a spirit of gratitude, not just today, but every day, for all of those who serve, who help, who love. Show us your face through the faces, the spirits, the hearts of others. Continue to bend your heart to ours, loving us, softening us, birthing us into something new, for you are magnificent. All of this is prayed in the name of the one who lived, died, and lives among us today as we join our voices together praying the prayer that Christ Jesus taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for your gift um, this morning, a prayer, uh, asking God's presence with us. This morning's scripture lesson is a continuation of our study of the Gospel of Mark from the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 8. I invite us to hear these words. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, beware no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this morning. Amen. In her book of sermons, Home by Another Way, Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, a retired Episcopal priest, relates the true story of a woman whose life was coming apart at the seams. She writes, when one of her friends told this woman about a silent retreat at a nearby convent, she decided to give it a try. She had never done anything like it before. And once she arrived, she received her room assignment and was standing in the dormitory elevator with her suitcase in hand when a short, plump nun stepped inside the elevator with her. The woman pressed the button for the fourth floor. The nun pressed the button for the third floor. 
Then the nun said, what brings you to us, my dear? And the woman spilled her guts. (laughs) My mother has just died. I think my father may be an alcoholic. My marriage is falling apart, and I feel like I'm going crazy. Before she could say any more, the elevator went ding, and the doors opened. The nun gave the woman a funny little smile. God must love you very much, she said, and disappeared through the closing doors. What a weird and almost heartless thing to say. How would you have felt being on the receiving end of that assessment It doesn't sound very caring or supportive. What would you have said? You see, we're not accustomed to this kind of thinking, that somehow a string of disasters is God's way of loving us. Instead, when something tragic happens, we often wonder where God is, expecting that God must be a a very busy person in the world, preventing disaster, lessening risk, and acting as the ever-present and ever-vigilant parent over his children. Which way of thinking is it? What is God's nature? Over the course of our faith tradition, we've often talked ourselves into believing that trouble is God's way of keeping us in line. And if not, then our own fears will keep us in line. And if we're just good enough, nothing terrible will ever come our way. Friends, how is it possible for us to trust in God, when God is like that, especially when God and and the things that happen to us don't seem so loving. The bad news is that we can't trust in a God like that. And the good news is that God is not like that. Maybe that's part of what, what the nun was trying to tell the woman in the elevator, God must love you very much. Let me explain. The bad news is that risk and danger, toils and snares are a part of everyday life and and we cannot escape them. Spend an hour or two around a toddler and you will understand. Toddlers are on the go constantly and even if all the gates and locks and, and the plug inserts are properly in place, it still doesn't prevent all of the bumps and bites and tumbles from happening. Nor does everything that you do keep you or them safe and sound. I remember stories (laughs) of how one time my mother had placed a, a gate, one of those children's gates between my twin brother and me and the unlit fireplace in order to spend a few minutes answering the front door. My twin brother Doug and I used those red cardboard building blocks. Do you remember those? We used those in quickly fashioned stairs to climb the gate. (laughs) We were brilliant. Needless to say, the family room, and we were soon covered in black ash. (laughs) I think we had white carpet at the time, too. But friends, we we act responsibly to lessen risk for ourselves and and for others. We educate ourselves about safety. We, We listen to people whose opinions we trust, who are experts in their field, and who know knows what's what about something. We want to be able to plan ahead and to make sure that that things will be okay, that things will work out just fine. And planning ahead is a given for most of us. So, So is the trust we put in certain people and things and actions in our lives to assure ourselves that everything will be all right. 
We even muster our, our coping mechanisms to deal with trouble. Sometimes we, we just pretend that the problem isn't there, wishing it will go away. And yes, sometimes it does. Or maybe the problem takes over and we obsess about it. We, we are afraid or, or, or depressed. We hide away or build walls against others because we're ashamed of ourselves or fearful that we will be hurt or, or damaged further by them. We get angry and resentful. At times we, we turn our fears into a faith that looks to our own well-being and excludes others. Although we do, we do have choices to re retreat into our, our fears or to cope with the troubles of life, we can also acknowledge that, that there are troubles in life, but there is more to life than the troubles that confront us. Friends, that is the good news. There is more to life than the troubles that confront us. We can acknowledge that more than anything else, God is there present with us. God loves us very much. God loves us very much. Regardless, regardless, you can fill in the blank. We can choose to continue to give or we can choose to give up. We can hear God's call upon our lives, calling us from death to life. Or we can ignore it. You see, that day there was trouble looming on the horizon for Jesus and his disciples. That is what Jesus was trying to tell them in this morning's lesson. Trouble was coming and at the center of life in Jesus' time was the temple in Jerusalem. Here in this great and grand building, the most beautiful and all-inspiring structure Jesus' people knew, God lived among them in, in the central, most holy part of that building. It was so sacred that, that only the chief priest could enter it once a year to make an offering to God. Worship and sacrifice Prayer, affairs of, of religion and state were carried out day to day in the temple outer courts. It was often crowded with money changers and, and merchants whose, as we know, activities deeply offended Jesus. But the temple was the foundation, the center of life for the Hebrew people. Jesus himself came to it often. We know the stories were told that Joseph and Mary took him there when he was eight days old to have him circumcised and named according to the tradition of Israel. And later, the family made annual trips to Jerusalem to the temple, including the one in particular when Jesus was 12 and Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus wasn't in the crowd as they were traveling back home to Nazareth. The temple was part of Jesus' identity. Jesus knew that, that great building, it was part of his life and, and tradition as it was for the rest of his disciples. So it seemed only natural after spending some time there that one of the disciples would, would, would marvel at, at the building. Look, teacher, what, a one, what wonderful stones, what a wonderful building. Jesus, however, could see what the disciples could not see. You see these great buildings? Not one stone. Not will be, one stone will be left in its place. Every one of them will be thrown down. Now, many, many things must have been going through the minds of, of the disciples that day. Was it disturbing to the disciples or was it a moment of excitement and anticipation? Would Jesus finally step forward and seize power? Is that what he was trying to say? When was it going to happen? We have to know, we want, want to know exactly what will happen. 
they will soon find out. They leave the city and make the short trip across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives that overlooks the temple and the city. And there, amidst the olive trees and gardens, four of his disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, come to Jesus and they ask him directly, when is the temple going to be destroyed? And when will everything change? Jesus says to them that they must be careful because there will be those who say that they are with him and they're not. There will be trouble, war, natural disasters, persecution, oppression. They may be arrested and taken to court and and you'll have trouble, bad trouble. But Jesus says, you'll also have me with you. There in the midst of it all, I will be with you and I won't let you go. Friends, scholars looking back at this passage believe that Mark wrote this with the benefit of hindsight. He would have known that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans and as they put down, as they put down a revolt between the years of 66 and 70 AD. This great grand building, the temple was raised. The foundation walls, the only thing left. Was Mark reminding the people for whom he wrote his gospel of what they already knew? There will be war and trouble, natural disaster, persecution, arrest, trial, and death. There will be bad trouble. But we have Jesus who is with us in the midst of it. And Jesus will not let you go. Friends, the continued existence of Mark's community, its growth and spread across the world is a testimony that Jesus was with them. There is and will be trouble and in the midst of it will be Jesus. And the bad news and the good news are that we have choices. The choices open to us. When, when trouble and challenges inevitably come, we, we can despair or withdraw or build a wall or, or, or choose to open ourselves to the presence of Christ. He knows the troubles that we have seen and brings us through those troubles, acknowledging that Christ is with us and will never, ever let us go. Jesus asks that we we do the same for others, to be open and encouraging toward others, to one another. The fact that we have come through a few troubles ourselves reminds us to make room in our hearts and in our church for others. This is an excellent lesson for us as we come to this time, to this day, committing to Christ through the church with all the the many ways that we will offer our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our, our service, and our witness into this coming year. Do we see our problems or the church's problems or troubles as, as opportunities? As opportunities for Christ to journey with us? You see, by ourselves, we're burnt out. We burn out. But with God and with each other, well, let me offer you this story. One day, the pastor was making his rounds and visited a grumpy, probably troubled man who was not much of a churchgoer. <laughs> he used the old excuse that he said his prayers at home and did not need to be surrounded by a congregation. And they sat near a fire, as they sat near a fireplace and talked about many things, the pastor took one of the brightly burning twigs out of the fire and, and, and set the twig on the edge of the fireplace. And gradually as they talked, the fire on the twig kept getting lower and lower until it eventually went out. At that point, the pastor looked 
at the parishioner. And he put that spent ember back into the fire. And it began burning immediately. The man got the message. <laughs> Friends, look around. Just, just look around. God must love us very much. God must love us very much. Trusting us with, with this building, with this congregation. Trusting us with each other. Trusting us with all of the blessings that God has placed in our lives. The question that confronts us is how we will acknowledge this in our decisions and the ways in which we choose to live out our lives. Friends, God loves us very much and will never, ever let us go. Thanks be to God. Amen. Throughout this stewardship season, we have been invited to go all in at Stony Brook. We've been invited, inspired, involved, included, invested, intentional, and in tune. One of the ways that we get to go all in at Stony Brook is by serving. And we have an updated servant catalog available for you. You will find these printed on the table right outside of the sanctuary when you leave uh, after worship, or you can uh, email Kim Fathauer and she can provide you with an electronic version. This servant catalog has so many different ways that you can plug in to the ministries here at Stony Brook Church. It is a way for us to serve God through this church community. During our closing hymn, you are invited to bring your commitment cards forward. You will see baskets along the rail up here. Uh, simply bring them forward, put them in the basket, and offer a prayer of thanksgiving and commitment to God. If you are in need of a commitment card, simply raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring one uh, for you. If you feel more comfortable, you can always place your commitment card in the offering baskets on the way out as well. As we've been uh, celebrating the many ways that we've been all in at Stony Brook, I invite you today to be inspired by this witness from Jeremy Taylor. My name is Jeremy Taylor and I'm included. Rhonda and I started coming to Stony Brook with our family in 2008. We had just recently moved here from Memphis to the Columbus area, and we started looking for a church where our entire family uh, could be active and engaged. Um, we wanted to be spiritually fed. It wasn't something where we were just looking for a passive sermon to sit through. We needed to be involved and included. When we found Stony Brook, we were certain that our family had many ways in which we could become involved. Our children, Gabriel and Sarah, were relatively young at the time, and we had um, the opportunity to leave them with childcare. And it wasn't just a place for us to drop off the kids. It was a place where we felt comfortable that they were going to be cared for, uh, nurtured, and loved and supported. That left some opportunity for um, Rhonda and I to be involved in the services and to find other ways to become engaged with Stony Brook. One of those ways is uh, through the music program. When we first uh, entered Stony Brook, uh, the music program made a very big impact on us. Rhonda became involved initially by uh, filling in as a pianist and then eventually uh, became part of uh, accompanying the choir. She became the pianist, the organist, and the bell choir director. I had the opportunity to play trumpet with the music program uh, with Stony Brook Brass, uh, as well as playing as part of the Christmas cantatas. And that was really a way for me to become involved in uh, worship through music. Perhaps the biggest moment we knew we were included in Stony Brook was at a time of tragedy where our son Gabriel was diagnosed with bone cancer. 
At this time, it was really difficult for us. We had to attend to Gabriel and to be in and out of the hospital for his treatments and his time uh, in the hospital. Um, he would be at Nationwide Children's once every three weekends, and sometimes he would stay longer. Uh, we had our daughter, Sarah, and Sarah still needed to be cared for and loved and supported and not neglected. And we didn't even have to ask. There were members of Stony Brook that stepped forward to help us care for Sarah, that volunteered to take her um, and, and be there for her as we needed to be in the hospital. The Stony Brook Church family jumped into action in so many ways for us. Uh, they offered support for us by attending to our kids by supporting us, by making sacrifices and being, for their, uh, being there for us personally. And we um, felt very much included. Now we have the opportunity to uh, be involved in, in various ways and to give back. I continue to be involved through the youth. So I attend Stony Brook Youth every Sunday as a youth leader uh, and on Sunday mornings as a bridge four, five, six leader. I enjoy having the opportunity to watch the, the kids that I work with grow and make them feel included as well. I invite you to rise as you are able as we sing our doxology and praise God together. God, we thank you for all of the ways that you include each and every one of us. We offer ourselves, our gifts, our time, and our service to you. Use us, help us, use these gifts that we have offered to you uh, out into this world and beyond so that all that we come in contact with, all who come to receive these gifts, know of your great love in their lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Friends, God loves us very much. More than we can comprehend, more than we can understand. And that love for us never, ever ends. Let us go forth in that love to share that love with others. Amen. Thank you.